0: and I'm Mizuki, and
1: this is Plus one So today we'll be talking about um, the Tokyo governor's election. Um, I know a lot of people are curious about this topic, and I think it's been guiding a lot of publicity as well, which is good.
0: It's this weekend. Yes.
1: Yeah, even as we speak, I think early voting is already open so
0: yeah early voting has been open since like the 18th or something so okay um some of you may have already voted but
1: um yeah and we'll like also try to share some resources maybe at the end like accounts that talk about like how to vote and things like that if you're curious Mm -hmm. um yeah so the Tokyo governor's election um a ton of people are running but today we'll be focusing on the top three candidates um koike yuriko who's the current governor of japan uh yamamoto taro and Utsunomiya kenji um and there are some other people but i don't think they're really relevant so
0: there's so many people um yeah so there's a total of 22 which is the most we've ever had running for this position yeah and a lot of people you know I don't even pay attention to all of them because a lot of them are just, like, doing it as a joke. They're not really serious about this. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't think they're going to win. It's it's kind of, like, unnecessary distraction because, you know, some people do vote for these people. And mm-hmm. it's, like, that, that kind of puts the vote where you don't really want it to go.
1: Yeah. And also just takes away the legitimacy from, like, elections in general when you have yeah, people,
0: yeah. like, you know... <laughs>
1: It's not like a miskong or like a popularity contest. It's like an Mm. actual role.
0: Mm. Yeah, people's lives are at stake. (laughs) To aid
1: with that narrative, we'll just be focusing on the three relatively serious people. Um, Yeah, so going back, so Yuriko, we've talked about her in our previous episode about um, Japan's political parties. But she is now um, backed by the LDP, um, even though she wasn't before. Now she is. Um, I think she's also backed by Koike which is like LDP's mm. sidekick.
0: Koike Yuriko is also not a part of LDP technically, uh, but she is um, uh, endorsed by them. But um, that being said, she is still very tied to the LDP and their policies. Um, so she's still basically like a conservative and mm-hmm. historical revisionist. So when
1: we're talking about Koike Yuriko, I think it is like helpful to talk about like how she is like a former newscaster. Um, She's not a Tokyo native. She is from Hyogokan and she is 67 years old. So in between Yonototaro and Utsuken. And she was also educated at the Cairo University. So she does have like a more international outlook than maybe some of the other more like traditional politicians in Japan do. Um, and because she is like a TV newscaster, I think she does very well um, in the media I think keeping all of those things in mind is really helpful. And like I said, she was the first uh, woman to be elected Tokyo governor. So yes, like it is better to have women in power, but also like- Depends on which women. Yeah, who who, who are (laughs) they? (laughs) So yeah, like I think they're like, at least like on like Twitter and Instagram, I've seen more like debate, like regarding Koeike Yurikon, kind of like the whole like faux feminism lens of like, yes, like she is a woman. Yes, we should support women. But- not all
0: women <laughs> i think my friend said um she reminds her of um hillary clinton and that she's just like someone who wanted to be or She was. she's like someone who wants power who just happened to be a woman because mm. you know Koiki Yuriko being a woman didn't really do anything for the women mm-hmm. in tokyo yeah. you know and she had like policies of trying to like um getting rid of like the waitlist for kids and like supporting like mothers but it didn't happen yeah like, like the waitlist to get into
1: pre like preschool or daycare centers
0: it didn't it didn't happen mm-hmm. and you know people are still struggling with that so it's like you know her being a woman doesn't do anything really she likes power basically yeah <laughs> <laughs> she likes power She's very interesting though. She's a very interesting character. She just but um the pattern is that I think she just works for herself, mm-hmm. um and does not really have any loyalties to parties or the people. I think she will just do what she can to be at a powerful position.
1: Yeah. And we did talk about that a little bit when we talked about like her Kibonoto and her other affiliations
0: yeah i think the process of how she became tokyo governor is reflective of that <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: um so yeah that's the incumbent um so if you weren't
1: familiar with kwekeuriko um and yamamoto taro is the leader of the Bashin gumi which is the relatively new party um and he himself is quite a young candidate and um garnering a lot of Like media attention and uh, attention in general from the public his party started in 2019 so just last year um hence the name and according to this one he was like uh very influenced by the 2011 nuclear crisis i think a lot of us in our generation can like relate to and Mm. i think is an event Mm. that has turned a lot of people closer to our age towards politics
0: he is a former actor um turned politician um he i think he didn't even graduate from high school i think he's a high school dropout Mm -hmm. yeah who went into went into acting and then turned to politics um but i wouldn't put him in the same category as like the other actors who turned into politicians who just did it for like the publicity or like the money and i think a lot of people don't give Yamamoto taro enough credit for a lot of like the research and like homework he's done like Mm-hmm. he knows what he's talking about he really studied it and he's really knowledgeable about what he's trying to say or what he's trying to do mm-hmm. and so i think people need to pay better attention to him in term and not just dismiss him as just like a uh, another actor yeah cause that's definitely <laughs> um,
1: how i felt yeah. about him in the very beginning i was like oh this like new party headed by this like pretty good looking youngish actor like how real
0: can you be one thing he's really good at is showing his passion right um when he does these like um talks um and he talks to his constituents like he's very passionate about what he wants um for the people and how he wants to work for the people and like stand up to the man and the establishment and stuff like that and he's very good at unlike Utsunomiya kenji i think he's very good at getting speaking to the emotion of the people and in that way he's able to rally a lot of people and rally a lot of support um in just such a short time because uh well yeah his party started last year and he has some of the most loyal fan base that i've seen um in Japanese politics and you know you can't you can't do that without being a talented speaker and he's kind of used that as a weapon to gather people around his base um and so he definitely has a talent for that i think the problem is just like you know how do you use that to because i think i think um a lot a lot of people are still like how you were like um they don't really trust him as a politician right because he used to be an actor um so it's like how do you get people to how do you get people to trust you um and also uh i i sometimes see him as needing more experience right as a politician um because sometimes he says things and does things that are like a little questionable like what like um like for example like last year during the upper house elections or like right after the upper house elections he was gonna have like a conversation with like the the nhk party dude it's just like spending time on those people are not productive because they're not there to have a discussion with you they're they're just there to make you look dumb going into debate with fascists type yeah yeah and i think he did it as sort of like a listening to both sides kind of thing mm-hmm. but he is not like an example of the other side he is like a fascist basically yeah yeah and it, he's like an extreme he's like the person to the extreme right mm-hmm. so it's like spending your time debating people on that side isn't really worth the time i think and yeah with your energy um for yamamoto taro and you know so things like that i think he still needs to learn but yeah just sometimes he does things out of the ordinary that kind of makes people stop and be like what like what are you doing kind of thing but i think he is on the people's side mm-hmm. and i think he has good intentions definitely yeah um and i think yeah i think we should definitely take him more seriously than we all are probably mm-hmm. yeah so that's the amount of Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like personally found him quite.
1: Like because he doesn't talk in like very like keigo keigo like very polite polite Japanese. He speaks more in a casual way. Um, like the vocabulary he uses, like for the most part, like the phrases that he uses are accessible for people like me too. He like doesn't try to hide behind like complicated uh like political jargon. So I feel like that's also pretty rare and something I'd hope in Japanese politics, um becomes more like so that becomes more accessible
0: yeah and uh i guess i've uh so with utsuken i've heard people call him the japanese bernie mm. i think it's because he looks like bernie and that he's old <laughs> yeah he's just that was he's just an old man yeah, and he's <laughs> and, i mean and his policies are like progressive but i wouldn't describe utsuken as bernie because mm. i think the thing with bernie is like the ability to get a lot of support and it's kind of like bernie's always been you know kind of the independent Mm. radical person within the democratic party who never has the support of the establishment the democratic party and um he differs from utzken in that utzken does have the backing of the establishment party Mm. and so he is not at odds with the party at all the main opposition party i mean and so i if we're comparing anyone to Bernie, I think Yamamoto Taro is yeah. more reflective of Bernie as a as an entity. Um, in that, he doesn't he is kind of feared by the establishment party because he's not part of them, and he does have new ideas and a new way of doing things that it's kind of may maybe a little bit scary for uh people who've been always in the establishment. So yeah.
1: And I think he's also mobilizing people who traditionally wouldn't be interested in politics either like Bernie or like who people who've been alienated by politics. Right. Um yeah, so she... yeah, um mm-hmm. to Snomyia Kenji. Mm-hmm. It's Nomia Kenji who's The former head of the japan federation of bar association so he's a lawyer he is backed by
0: the uh the communist party and also the biggest opposition party which is the constitutional democratic party and he's also backed by the shaminto which is the social democratic party so he's the main opposition candidate um but he's um he's running as an independent so he's not part of any party he's just like backed by those okay that's helpful to know
1: (laughs) Yeah, so like Miz said, he's quite, like, quite establishment, like, he's, like, an old man, so, like, aesthetically, he's, like, quite typical to, like, what you think a Japanese politician is. Well, I mean, he's not
0: a politician, mm-hmm. so he he's a lawyer, um, so what I mean by he's establishment is that he is backed by the establishment, mm-hmm. so he's, like, he's, like, obedient enough that the that the establishment will back him is what I'm saying. Like yeah, but yeah, he, he's a lawyer. Yeah. Um, and he's he's always worked for the 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 people, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So even during his time as a lawyer he would do a lot of public interest work, um, representing people who, like I said, fell victim to like payday loans. Um, and he was also head of the bar association and did a lot of good work there. And yeah, like we said, he's also backed by the establishment. So he was originally the one running. Um, it was, it seemed like it was going to be Utsuken versus, uh, Koike Yuriko. And Utsuken had actually withdrew his bid For Tokyo governor in 2016 because there was a different candidate who who seemed like was going to get more support so he withdrew his bid um, in order to not split the vote but um, yeah this time kind of as like not like last minute but kind of out of the blue Yamamoto Taro did Mm. start his bid for the Tokyo governor Mm. um, elections which has gotten some attention saying that perhaps this
0: is going to split the vote for the opposition. Oh, it is. It it is splitting the vote. (laughs) (laughs) There's no doubt about that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so Tsunomiya Kenji has run, I think, two times before for -hmm. Tokyo governor, and both times he's had to withdraw his nomination because because he wasn't backed by the opposition parties.
1: Oh, interesting. Um,
0: The opposition endorsed um, another person as their candidate. Mm-hmm. Instead of Utsunomiya Kenji, and so that's why in the previous election he's he's had to withdraw so as not to split the vote. Mm-hmm. But um, for this election, this is the first time where the opposition parties are supporting him as their candidate, um, and so that's this is so that's why he's still in the running, and it's a little bit different this time for Utsunomiya Kenji.
1: And some main topics up for debate for this time's election is COVID, obviously. Um, and the different governmental measures that have been put in. All of that um, COVID-related debate is definitely important. The Tokyo Olympics is also very much topical. Some things um, the candidates really differ from each other. Some things the candidates have quite similar views about. So we'll be elaborating more about those things. So... Yeah, so Koeike Yuriko, so she's like the conservative candidate. And I think like at least in the beginning when you're not very familiar with the candidates, it's quite easy to think of Koeike Yuriko versus like Yamamoto Taro and Utsunomiya Kenji because Yamamoto Taro and Utsunomiya Kenji have basically pretty similar policies, but as we'll see later, um, they do differ in some critical parts. So um, so if you look at, I'm looking at the table from co-archives that Ms. I didn't realize had helped (laughs) do the research (laughs) for, I'm just reading the caption now. Um, so um wants to create like the CDC equivalent for Tokyo and continue her policies for COVID that she's already enacting. Um, some critiques I've seen about this online are that the CDC is like modeled after the US which has um, one of the largest number of COVID um, cases. So instead of creating a CDC, we should be looking at how places like Taiwan or Korea Um, have dealt with the coronavirus but that's her stance on
0: um COVID right um and I think uh the main thing about Koyuki with coronavirus is that she is very proud of her um responses up till now and Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw the debate that they did at the on the live stream YouTube live stream Mm -hmm. with the top four candidates but um well, she was the only one who saw that, who thought that um, her measures were like working and she wants to continue it this way. And the, whereas the other candidates are like, no, you're failing. And I think like the general public, like
1: for example, like my mom, I think she she also thinks that Kweke Yuriko did like a good, like quote unquote good job with COVID just because mm. she like did something, <laughs> which, um, you know, how, how low do you want to set the bar? But, you know, that is a sentiment that isn't like, I guess just... For Kwaike Yuriko, but we should always be like aspiring to do better uh, regarding COVID because people still aren't getting tested. People, um, cases are still rising. Um, The other candidates regarding um COVID, um, they definitely want to put, invest more money um, into aid for people who have been affected.
0: Yeah, just helping out really the people who are the most affected by this. And Yamamoto Taro and Tsunomiya Kenji both have a policy of increasing testing
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and um, you know before even um, I think Koikiriko is more concerned about restarting the economy mm-hmm. but for the more uh, left leaning candidates there are they are more concerned about even before reopening the economy having enough testing so that people can get tested mm-hmm. whenever they want to and those who are those who don't have COVID can return to the economy safely and mm-hmm. so Um, it's like a safer way of reopening the economy Mm -hmm. and so that's what they want to do and also another thing with this is that there is a a bill or a law that um, they're thinking about in Tokyo specifically of making all the hospitals um, private oh yeah and Mm -hmm. yeah currently there are I think 14 public hospitals left in Tokyo the rest are private mm-hmm. and the ldp so koi and the more conservative parties like ishing they want to privatize the hospitals but what this will do like we don't we don't want to do this because mm-hmm. it um the burden will be on the taxpayer and the the people and like to pay for things like health care. And, you know, you I don't think we should ever profit off of people's health. Like, that right. doesn't seem, that seems really evil mm-hmm. to me. So um, so in that sense, Yamamoto Taro and Tsunamiya Kenji are both against uh, privatizing hospitals. Um, so yeah, that's
1: COVID. <laughs> and another thing. The Olympics, right? Yeah, the Olympics. Um, Koikeyuriko is full throttle going for the olympics um if you remember from our covid episodes like how um the numbers were like very much suppressed until the olympics were actually canceled and then like numbers shot up so yeah obviously the current administration values the olympics over national health and the the authenticity of information
0: yeah it just seems like they're at least quite curious on the federal government's main motivation for like reopening the economy is that they have this olympics next year to worry about and they have to show the world that japan is doing fine in terms of covid and the economy is open here like people are back to normal that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but so koiki yuriko is like fully set on having the olympics next year you know even though we don't really know what's gonna happen next year Mm -hmm. with covid yeah, we don't we, we don't even know what the situation is going to look like this fall. If cases are going to go up, you know, how how the other countries are going to handle their COVID situations and if their athletes can even come to Japan. So, but yeah, she is set on having the Olympics. Um, yeah. So, Itsumi
1: Kenji and Yamamoto Taro are definitely not as enthusiastic about the Olympics. I think Ken so, it's Itsumi Kenji. Um, <laughs> uh, he definitely wants to like cancel if necessary and redistribute the um, money that would have been spent on the Olympics towards other people um, who are in need, so people who are affected by COVID and its after effects. Um, you now, title just wants to cancel the Olympics.
0: <laughs> yeah, he is fully set on ha- not having it, so mm-hmm. he's probably going to be really adamant about canceling it to the IOC because I don't think the host countries have the power to actually shut it down. It's, it, it's all up to the IOC, so... But I think he will put up a fight if he becomes Tokyo governor. But um, the difference between, I think, Utsuken and Yamamoto Taro is that Yamamoto Taro is really like fully set on not having it. And Utsuken, he is going to, I think he said, um, listen to the um, yeah, expert specialists. So yeah, he's going to listen to the experts and see if he can hold it or not hold it. If they if they say we should cancel it, then I think he's going to tell the IOC that we should cancel it. So on the 27th, um, the four candidates were on a debate. Uh, it was like an online Zoom debate because the for some reason, the Japanese TV doesn't do debates for Mm-mm. governor's election, even though it's like, such a big election you know yeah um cuz the media is also i guess controlled mm-hmm. by the state so <laughs> they don't host debates um so they did a zoom online zoom debate and the top four candidates so Koike and Taro Kenji and Ono mm-hmm. who is backed by Ishing they were on there and um they it wasn't so much as a debate because they didn't have a lot of time, but they asked a series of 10 questions to each of the candidates and they would hold up like a yes or no sign, um, like a marubatsu. Mm -hmm. And I think Koike Yuriko made her own like triangle sign, (laughs) which is so (laughs) sneaky, right? It's so sneaky. Like just the answer, yes or no. I mean, mean, sometimes you can't really do that, but like she was the only one who had like a triangle sign, (laughs) which is pretty funny. It's so fun. She's so funny. Um, She's, yeah she's hilarious um but anyway um so we can we can also link that mm-hmm. um thing as well but um the general sense that i got from that is if you look at um the two left-leaning candidates so it's, mm-hmm. it's ken and Yamamoto Taro, their answers are exactly the same mm-hmm. like they agree on every single question yeah and then um Koiki, if you look at the more right-leaning candidates, Koiki Riko and Ono,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, Ono doesn't agree with Koiki on all of the questions. Mm-hmm. Like for example, is the coronavirus measure going well? Mm-hmm. Um, handle, is is she handling it well? Ono says no. Koiki says yes because she has to. Um, and but they do they do agree on a lot of the topics. So yeah. you can see how um, you can see how they are in agreement um which i'm not sure if Ono wanted that during the debate cuz it's like it it looked like he was aligning with Koikiriko on a lot of topics which he does you know mm-hmm. but you know when you're running as a candidate against the current governor and you're trying to you're trying to represent yourself as someone different from mm-hmm. koi Kiriko. I don't know how effective it was right. for him to like answer in the same way that koi Kiriko did, so that was definitely interesting and not sure if that was like a thing that he wanted to do, but whatever I think he's he's like he seems harmless like he's pretty he's like young and pretty good looking and but you know if you look at his policies, he's like very conservative, so this is like, the general sense I got from this the debate anyway Mm -mm -mm. so
1: yeah i think we should also like put a disclaimer we're like um (laughs) miss and i are both I think in between Yamamoto um, Taro and Itzcan, we're still doing our research.
0: Um, so <laughs> I think I think if you've been listening to us, you can you can tell that we're not conservatives. So, but in ca- yeah, just in case, <laughs> yeah. But for me, and I think for you as well, it's not really like in America. It's like whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, because mm-hmm. there's only really two parties. And I I am I'm not a conservative, but it's not like I have one party that I support. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I usually just end up voting for whoever is the most progressive Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, but because yeah because japan doesn't have a two-party system so
1: yeah for better or for worse like it makes things a bit more complicated but there is a bit more nuance in the conversation
0: i think we're seeing the. i think in this election anyway we're seeing the effects of like the pros and cons of not having a a two-party system Mm -hmm. is what we're seeing i think so yeah
1: just to keep in mind that our political leanings do influence the way that we talk about the
0: candidates um um yeah one of the big differences between itsonamiya kenji and yamamoto taro is just how they i think it's just how they look and how they <laughs> come out to people you know right yeah just i think that's just like the easiest visible difference to see is mm-hmm. um Isunamiya kenji is old he's like in his 70s um, yeah and so and you know a, a governor position lasts four years so the opposition always does this they always pick a very very old candidate and i don't know why um because you have to be there for four years yeah. like what are you gonna do yeah so i don't really know what they're doing yeah but um it's kenji is a. Uh, at first glance he's very like um soft ojicha uh-huh. whereas whereas yamamoto taro is kind of like this um he has more punch, I would say, yeah you know? like he looks like he
1: tans, um, he looks like he works out <laughs> he looks like an actor, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, so he's uh so there's so that, that that kind of visible difference is very interesting mm-hmm. to me, but I think it does have a an effect on how many people they can rally, you know? yeah like um and just like even to show up at their talks, yeah. Yamamoto Taro is very good at getting people to come to his talks. His supporters, mm-hmm. like he has a very loyal support base, and he's like one of the candidates that you know, because a lot, because candidates usually they don't get a lot of people to come out, yeah, just to see them. You mm-hmm. know, maybe they, yeah, they get like five people or like they they go out in their like really loud cars and like do that sort of thing. But Yamamoto Taro always has like a an event kind yeah. of thing. Because like um. when
1: Goodskim was like, I'm not gonna announce my talks to like avoid crowds for coronavirus. I was kind of like, well, would would crowds even gather if you didn't announce in advance? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think Utsuken has been getting people to come to his talks, but it's just not in the same yeah
1: level. Yeah, yeah. And if you think of like rallies in the U S., it's like nothing like that. It's it's very yeah. It's like very low budget. Like they stand on like basically like a table and then do their spiel
0: um yes it's definitely not as many people Mm -hmm. as the u.s but that's just like how it is in japan it's normal Mm -hmm. but and so that's why the numbers for yamamoto taro was very shocking when he first or when he first made the party because it was like huge numbers and Mm -hmm. you never see that many people yeah um gathered for a political rally Mm -hmm. um so yeah uh I would say, at first glance, Yamamoto Taro is more exciting than young, mm-hmm. than Izumiya Kenji. Yeah, and I think we should take a break before we talk about their differences and mm-hmm. and uh, kind of why they are both running. <laughs> right. so do you want to talk about the second half of this yeah let's, um let's do this yeah all right so i think the second half of this is going to be about the differences between yamamoto taro and itsunomia kenji the two left-leaning candidates because if you just look at a just if you just have a glance at their policies like mm-hmm. they're very similar yeah like, to the point where i don't even know where they differ mm-hmm. really because you know you think they're they're on the same side basically and yeah. they both have a similar policy in that they want to help people who are the most vulnerable mm-hmm. and so I think if they were in the same party, they would definitely be on the same side.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But but like we said, Utsunomiya Kenji is an independent, and Yamamoto Taro is running from his own party, Daiwa Shin mm-hmm. Um And just about like why they're both running if their policies are so similar. So yeah, I think we'll get to that. I think we should first talk about like where where they differ. I think um, and um, according to Yamamoto Taro, they are very similar. But the main part where they differ is. In their like financial policies, I think,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and um, how they're getting the money to help the mo- most vulnerable people. So if you do, if you go on their websites and you look at the policies in terms of um, COVID. Mm-hmm. it's a little bit different for them because they do both talk about needing to help out the most vulnerable people. Mm -hmm. But Yamamoto Taro has an actual policy with money involved. um, Mm -hmm. And he specifically states that he will allocate 15 trillion yen, 15兆円, or $140 billion Mm -hmm. around. And that's specifically stated on his website. Whereas um, Utsiname Kenji does not have a number specifically stated on his website. Yes. He just says, like, he will help out the most vulnerable people. Um mm-hmm. And I think, uh, according to Yamamoto Taro, it seems that that's where they differ the most, mm-hmm. um, is their financial policies and for Utsunomiya kenji where he will get this money for covid measures is like um looking at tokyo's budget as a whole and trying to figure out where money is spent for like maybe non-essential things and moving that money to covid for like Mm -hmm. covid measures and so it will come out of like the total tokyo budget right right um that they regularly have so that's Utsunomiya kenji Mm -hmm. um putting money that they already have and moving it to covid type Mm -hmm. of and the difference between that and yamamoto taro is yamamoto taro is gonna have an extra 15 trillion yen on top Mm -hmm. of tokyo's regular budget because his argument is that tokyo has a lot of things within its budget that's not really negotiable in terms of like you can't really move around that money like it has Mm -hmm. to be used for like disaster measures Mm -hmm. that sort of thing like and the money needs to be allocated Mm -hmm. for those emergency measures yeah so then it's like where do you get this 15 trillion yen if it's not from the regular budget and so his idea is to create uh, municipal bonds Mm -hmm. for tokyo that Will allow Tokyo to borrow fifteen trillion yen, mm-hmm. um, and it'll, it and it comes in the form of bonds. And the I and then so I guess the problem with this is that um, you know it's bonds, so you Tokyo will have to pay it back somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, and people are worried that it's gonna come down to the taxpayers. Like, yeah. Oh, don't we? Don't we? We'll, won't we have to? pay this back by Mm -hmm. paying taxes you know in the future yeah um and yamamoto taro says no (laughs) there's two solutions like Mm -hmm. there's um two more two solutions where tokyo will be able to pay back this bond money and though okay so one solution is to is to have the bank of japan Mm -hmm. buy the bonds and then tokyo trades the bonds with something that they can pay back over time Mm -hmm. um so this what they trade will have no time limit and no interest so tokyo can they can pay it back in their own terms basically um and so that's
1: one way Mm -hmm. yeah And like Yamamoto Taro was saying that like Tokyo compared to other prefectures, the percentage of their budget that they put towards repaying um, things like the bond, like repaying any type of loan that they have is like significantly lower than other prefectures' budgets for these types of things. So there's definitely ways that Tokyo can manipulate their budgets that they can repay this loan.
0: Yeah, I think he was saying that Tokyo currently only uses 1.5 of their budget to pay back their loans, whereas other prefectures are higher that number is higher like for example like Hokkaido. i think he was saying it's like 11 percent and some other prefectures are go up to like 15 16 18 so tokyo is very low compared to those other prefectures yeah. in terms of how much of their budget they allocate to paying back those bonds mm-hmm. so what yamamoto Taro is saying is tokyo has more freedom to allocate more money to pay back those bonds and to borrow bo- to borrow money yeah is what he's saying mm-hmm. um and so and then the second solution to paying back these bonds is for the federal government to print more money um because the tokyo government does not have the power to print more money mm-hmm. to pay back these loans um but the federal government does and mm-hmm. so what yamamoto taro argues is that the federal government because it's it's a coronavirus is like a once in a lifetime emergency. Mm-hmm. The federal government should be able to help out Tokyo for emergencies like this, mm-hmm. right? And they can, the federal government can do this by either printing more money or uh, allocating their, what's called a tax allocation or something like that. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Local tax
1: allocation allocation tax.
0: I think so. Yeah, it's like the federal government get, has this money from tax revenue that they usually um allocate to each prefecture mm-hmm. and yamamoto taro is saying that the government can give more money to tokyo basically to distribute mm-hmm. more money to tokyo to help tokyo pay these pay back these bonds
1: yeah so like what like us as taxpayers like a part of our taxes goes towards like the national or federal government and that big pool of taxes is distributed to different prefectures so they'd increase the proportion of that tax that goes to tokyo so the downside of this is that yes tokyo gets more of those taxes but other prefectures are going to get less of those taxes
0: yeah but but his his idea is that there are ways for tokyo to get this trillion yen without like destroying the economy is what Mm -hmm. he's saying and um his argument against like utinamiya kenji's financial plan (laughs) is that you know, the money out of Tokyo's total budget that you would to redistribute to coronavirus measures, um, by like taking money away from other things, it's like not enough. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, it's not enough to cover the damage already done from Koike Yuriko's non-policy and the damages of the coronavirus. Um, Uh, to like businesses and people individual Mm -hmm. people and so he said he's saying emoto taro is saying we need to have this extra money Mm -hmm. to help people out and that's where emoto taro and itsunomiya kenji differ on their policies i think Mm -hmm. that's one of the that's the main part that they differ yeah So the main difference is where the money is coming from Mm -hmm. and how much money they are allocating to help people out during coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And that's the main difference between Utsunomiya Kenji and Yamamoto Taro. But with everything else, I think they are very similar. So then it gets to the question of why they're running if their policies are so similar. And I think with what you were saying, because Yamamoto Taro entered the race later, Mm -hmm. it does look like, he just came out of the blue and split the vote because mm-hmm. <laughs> he he wanted to or something like that mm-hmm. but it's a little bit more complicated than that
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it has to do with uh behind the scenes politics um mm-hmm. within the opposition parties mm-hmm. so um before Utsunomiya Kenji and Yamamoto Taro both decided to run mm-hmm behind the scenes i think they were meeting um a couple times to discuss you know like oh are you running Mm -hmm. this time are you not running this time and you know who's who just who is going to be backed by the opposition party right um and itsunomiya kenji entered the race without having party backing Mm -hmm. so he actually decided to run by himself right Mm -hmm. at first Mm -hmm. so you know i think when they were debating between who is going to run um kenji decided that he would run anyway even if he didn't have party backing and that's why he kind of decided to run first or enter first Mm -hmm. the race um and so so that's that um (laughs) and (laughs) and then like after he decided to run i think the opposition also were talking behind the scenes and then they decided to endorse Utsunomiya kenji instead Mm -hmm. of coming up with their own candidate um uh but the other thing is that before yamamoto taro decided to run uh, from his own party he was approached by the opposition parties um Mm -hmm. and he was asked to run for them as their candidate um but the issue with that was um whenever a opposition party candidate or an opposition parties they um group together you know to um, nominate one candidate so right. so they have enough power to go against like the main ldp candidate which is quite yeah. critical so whenever they do that they always pick a candidate who is independent who is able to run as an independent who who doesn't who isn't affiliated with any party of his own so for yamamoto taro to run as the opposition, the main opposition candidate, he would have had to leave Rewa. He would have had to leave his own party and run as an independent. And, you know, I think was, um, he, he accepted that. And according to him, He would have been open to the idea, but he had a condition, and his condition was that the in the next lower house election, which Mm -hmm. is probably this year or next year, Mm -hmm. the opposition parties would run on a platform of lowering the consumption tax from Mm -hmm. ten percent to five percent. It's at ten percent now, Um, but you know I think when they were first. thinking when they were first talking about raising the tax to 10 percent, if i remember correctly the opposition parties were against the 10 percent tax hike mm-hmm. that the yeah. ldp wanted but for this time when yamamoto taro came up with those conditions for running the opposition parties were like oh no we, we can't do that paperwork fast enough or something like that and they refused so so they refused Yamamoto Taro's conditions. So that's why they went with Utsunomiya Kenji for their nomination, because he didn't have those conditions, and he's more—he's a little bit more obedient. Uh, and so that's why the party decided to endorse Utsunomiya after he had entered the race. And I think the reason why Yamamoto Taro decided also to run is that his whole thing was that he was going to run as a lower house candidate or mm-hmm. a member of the Diet, so then he can one day be nominated as prime minister mm. and be at the top of the country. Yeah, But that is going to take a long, long time. <laughs> and I think, I think he thought that if he becomes Tokyo governor, right. he would have more power faster to mm-hmm. make Tokyo a better place right. for the most socially vulnerable people.
1: Yeah. Because to be PM, like, first get the LDP out, and then maybe he can be elected by the party. So that's just going to take,
0: a, like, such a long time, yeah. right? Yeah, I think, you know, Yamamoto Taro and to have very similar policies, but mm-hmm. with the difference that we said, I think Yamamoto Taro believes that that money, that extra money isn't really necessary to help, to really help those people out, mm-hmm. you know? And so he's a bit more of a risk taker in that sense um, because the opposition parties are not risk takers and they don't want to do risky stuff like this Mm -hmm. um, even in times of emergencies yeah and so that's why they are endorsing witsunomiya kenji and Mm so it does look like yamamoto taro split the vote by entering the race after mm-hmm. but i would say it's also that but it's also the inability of the opposition parties to take risks and to um work with the Yamamoto Taro because
2: mm-hmm.
0: they had the chance to right? right they had the chance to work with Yamamoto Taro um, and he's such a good he's so good at rallying the people mm-hmm. like he if he was their opposition candidate it would have been i think it would have been really exciting and, yeah but because <laughs> they are unwilling to work with him yeah but also yamamoto taro is very naive about you know his ability to get people who are who usually don't vote to come out and vote um and he's a little bit i think he is a little bit naive in that um because his his thing his thing about running was that um he wasn't gonna split the vote he was gonna get the votes from people who don't usually come out and vote you know it's kind of what bernie was saying but Mm -hmm. You know, there's no guarantee that you can do that mm-hmm. without splitting the vote. And um, I think he was also saying that he could have endorsed, just like gave an endorsement for Itsumamiya Kenji. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like ask his supporter to vote for them. But what he said in an interview or like Kishakaike was that in his experience, that hasn't worked to get people to vote mm-hmm. for the endorsed candidate right. and like get enough votes for the endorsed candidate to mm-hmm. beat a sitting governor right yeah um but i'm not too sure about that because you know his supporters are very loyal mm-hmm. and i think if he's if he would have endorsed Utsunomiya kenji i think they would have voted for him yeah you know if
1: he like yeah like went around and spoke with him and not, didn't just like slap his name on a poster but like actually did events with its
0: yeah so I, I would i wish they would work together Mm-hmm. but I understand Yamamoto Taro's frustration with the establishment yeah. um, in their, like, inability to at least try to compromise, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't say it's completely Yamamoto Taro's fault. Mm-hmm. I would say it's both sides are at fault, I think, for their inability to work together. But that being said, Yamamoto Taro is still hurting this uh, this election yeah. by splitting the vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know... So then this gets to the question of like, who are you supposed to vote for if yeah. they're... So the thing is, mm-hmm. um, there's two opposition candidates. So that means the opposition vote is split between mm-hmm. these two. Yes. And that gives Koike Yuriko a bigger chance to win mm-hmm. again, right? And so I think if this continues, like if one of them doesn't drop out, it does. I think the ending will end with Koiki be, becoming um, governor yeah. again. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if we know that to be true and if we know that, you know, voting on voting in terms of electability is not going to work, mm-hmm then I think what we should do is vote for policy yeah. so that, like, the opposition parties will see that mm-hmm. um, we, oh, we like this guy's policy better yeah. or we want this guy's policy, we like his policy better. And they and they won't win. You can still use your vote as a voice yeah, to show signal, the opposition, yeah. like, who, who they should have picked or mm-hmm. who they should have endorsed, right? Yeah. Um. But the thing is, like, their policies are so similar <laughs> that, like... Uh-huh. then like what do you do when their policies are so similar yeah. that like they're basically the same thing right so that's it th- so this is where i'm stuck do i vote in terms of policy or do i vote in terms of electability because i know that because they're both in the race koike yuriko is probably going to win again so that's where i'm stuck i think yeah. as a voter you know do i vote for the opposition? candidate so that he has at least a better chance of winning or do i signal to the opposition that they should have compromised better and vote for yamamoto taro who has who has a bit more um um who who is a little bit more of a risk taker Mm -hmm. um yeah but i think um so so i think then what you do is you look at the polls right (laughs) (laughs) and you know there's no like there's not a lot of polls in japan and you know the newspapers is a little bit untrustworthy as well so they so then i guess what you do is if they come out with a poll sometime later this week and Utsunomiya kenji it looks like has a better chance of winning or maybe is able to get enough votes to unseat koike mm-hmm. then i think i would vote for Utsunomiya kenji mm-hmm. but if it stays the same, if the polls stay the same, and it's like 50% Koike versus 10, 10% Tsunamiya Kenji mm-hmm. and 8% Yamamoto Taro, yeah. then I'm stuck. <laughs> <laughs> then I don't know who to vote for.
1: Yeah, because like we said, like the real big difference between the two candidates is like how are they going to fund their policies. So... Well, first of all, like, I didn't know that becoming the candidate was such, like, high stakes. Like, you had to leave your party to become the candidate. That just seems like you're really, like, narrowing down your options.
2: Mm. It's
1: because they just want independent. So, yeah, this is, like, another thing, I guess, about, like, the two-party system versus, like, the multi-party system. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry we can't Sorry. really give you a solid answer, but... <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but I think um among my friends I think Utsunomiya Kenji is the more favored yeah. candidate. But I think that might be because um, people don't really know what's going on behind the scenes.
1: Yeah. Cuz I yeah cuz like I said it does look like Yamamoto Taro is just like here to split right? the vote. Yeah.
0: But you know I think that can't be that can't really be be ignored. Like mm-hmm. it is a fact that Yamamoto Taro is splitting the vote, yeah. right? So I understand that concern. So, yeah, what I would suggest doing is looking at the polls and then making your decision. Um, because the, the first goal is to unseat Koi Kiyuriko. Yeah. So, if anybody has a chance to do that, I would vote for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the goal. That's the plan.
1: And, like, I feel this way about, like, this election and also just, like, in the US in November. But, like, the world is such, like, at such a crossroads and, like, in such a bad place. But yet, like, the opposition somehow has managed to not put out, like, even like a a very appealing candidate like in the net when the last like few decades like this isn't this this kind of opportunity doesn't really come around but you know in these critical times they somehow manage like fumble the ball so that's like frustrating
0: but yeah so it's very frustrating like why is the vote split at (laughs) such a such an important election Mm -hmm. why and then we're gonna now we're gonna get koi kiyo for another four years and you're gonna have the olympics it's just gonna be a disaster and honestly the ioc just needs to cancel it yeah and then tokyo can't do anything about it Mm -hmm. so ioc if you're listening (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so yeah this was just an episode to let you know that the election is coming up and you should vote even though it's frustrating the election day is this sunday but Mm -hmm. early voting centers are open so you can go whenever um yeah happy voting i guess yeah (laughs) happy
1: voting twitter it'll be in the description and we recently started to you are able to financially support us if you want to on our anchor as well so it'll go towards us buying new equipment to give you a better listening experience so if you are interested there's a way to contribute monthly on our anchor and we're always open to feedback too so please dm us or put in apple podcast reviews if you want to be anonymous